Hello, and welcome back to Dr. Quackers. So today, uh, in honor of May the 4th, uh, we are going to review another Star Wars movie. So the Star Wars movie we're going to review today is the second part of the original trilogy, and it is Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. I love this movie, and it's probably my favorite movie of all time pretty easily, which only gave my brother and I two options when it came to movies to watch with him. And those movies were Shrek and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and uh, due to that, I have easily seen those movies hundreds of times, and <laughs> very possibly even thousands. Um, as we got older, he started watching more movies with us, but when we were from the ages of one to about say eight. Those were pretty much the options of kids movies that dad wanted to watch with us. Um, aside from the occasional Batman or Superman movie, that was about it. Um, so I also wanted to, I'm going to kind of change how I'm going to review this particular movie. Um, I'm not going to list all the pros and cons um, as usual. Like, I, I think I want to change this format. Um, I really want to go into why this movie is a mass, is an example of masterclass filmmaking. So I'd like you to bear with me when I do this new style, and I, I hope it turns out well. Um, I'm changing it up a little bit, so hopefully there aren't very many kinks, and hopefully this goes pretty smoothly. So to, my first topic of the movie I want to talk about is the visuals and spectacles of this movie are fantastic and why certain characters are in certain areas of this movie. So, this movie is a beautiful movie to watch. All the special effects are amazing, all the are really fleshed out and really detailed. Something new you notice in the backgrounds and other little bits and pieces you might have picked up on um, in the first watching. And one of the things I actually was recently really paying attention to were the areas and the environments of which the characters were in. And what I mean by that is, after the first initial part of the movie, where they're on the snow planet of Hoth, parts of the group change their area and the areas they're involved in around what kind of story and what is happening to them throughout the events of their story. Um, my big example of that is the cramp dark, cold, lonely, and stressful environments that Han, Leia, Chewie, and C-3PO find themselves in on the Millennium Falcon throughout almost all of this movie. After they leave Hoth, they're on a cramped cargo ship flying through empty space, and they're cornered by the Empire, and they have to hide and weave throughout tight, small asteroid fields to the point where they have to hide in a large one through a huge chunk of this movie and come to find out later that they're actually inside of a space slug so they've been eaten by a gross moist minoc filled basically swamp like area and when they leave there's always this they they attach themselves to a star destroyer and they're hidden so close to the scanners that the Empire can't pick them up. But what their plan is, is to hide amongst the trash. So their only way of escape is to bring themselves to the point of which they're literal garbage. 
Um, and I really think that's heavy, heavy symbolism to the point where they are so in such danger that they have to bring themselves to hiding in garbage so which they can survive. And even when they eventually drift away with the excess garbage that the, eventually the Star Destroyer makes, they don't have anywhere to go because the hyperspace, they can't go to hyperspace, the hyperdrive is damaged. They can't go anywhere. They're sitting in ducks. They can only go to places that the ship can actually reach to with its regular fuel when it can't advance its like speed or anything. So the only place they're able to get to that's a friendly place is a mine. And a stereotypical mine is a dark, cramped, very quiet, moist, and a very bad place to be. A lot of miners, especially in the olden days, die due to the dangers of being in a mine. And throughout the whole, and even the city on which they, so they go to Bespin to find Han's old friend Lando. And even the city, and it's a gaseous planet, so there's only like a mining facility. So it's a small, cramped area you can only be inside for, and you can't really go anywhere else. You're trapped inside basically a metal shell throughout the whole movie to the point where Han is encased in carbonite. He's, they're always in this era of they're cornered and there's no way of escape. And they even heavily, and they continue to show that through the environments in which they're in. The other character that really shows their stories and their environment is Luke, R2, and Yoda. So what I mean by that is, in this movie, this is Luke's story is very much more focused on his future, his past, his lineage, and his connection to the Force, becoming a Jedi. So it's a it's a territory he is very unsure of. He's very unsure of himself. He doesn't know exactly what to do. He feels as though he failed Ben when he died. And so he goes to a planet he doesn't really know. It's wet. It's weird. It's very mysterious. He doesn't understand the environment he's in. It's very mystical. And even the character that's introduced, Yoda, is even elusive to him. Um, like there's strange creatures all around. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't really get the environment at all. Like as soon as he lands, he's, he tells R2, he's like, I don't think we ever should have came here. Um, even in the cave sequence later, he's. He's even very unsure of what's going on, and then eventually he goes to face Vader, and he's also, like, it's, it's just, there's always a, it's very elusive. He can't really grasp on the situations around him. He's kind of just trying to figure out what to do because he doesn't know what he's doing. And I really think that shows, especially on Dagobah, when she's training with Yoda to be a Jedi, and I really love the visuals that they play with all the characters, and that's something I never really noticed until recently. I think it's because I never really looked for that when I was a kid. I mean, that's not what you look for when you watch movies. And I think that's why this movie is such a stronger story than the other two films in the same trilogy. Not to say that those those other movies don't also do those same things, but this one does it the best. And it's something that I am not the smartest guy in the world. I'm definitely not. But it's something that I can pick up on. So anyone that can, that watches this movie, whether if it's the first time you watch it or the hundredth, will eventually understand 
the connection to where they are and the character in the story. Um, see, I really wanted to touch about that part first because I feel like it's a very important thing that I don't think everybody looks to when they watch this movie. So the next topic I want to talk about with this movie is the budding romance of Han Solo and Leia Organa and the great chemistry and believable actions of the characters. So I think part of the big reason why this movie is so popular uh, more than some of the other Star Wars films and is why it's considered to be amongst a lot of Star Wars fans to this one to this movie to be their favorite including myself this one's my favorite Star Wars movie um, is due to the great story that's written for both of these characters they're I guess you would call them star-crossed lovers um, Han Solo is a, a, a he's a scoundrel he's a smuggler he's a ex-criminal and he's kind of just usually looks out for himself and Leia is a very selfless individual she's just trying to help the galaxy she's helping the rebellion she's really just trying to do whatever she can to help the people of the galaxy and I think that's why they mesh so well together in terms of why they have a strong chemistry with each other because she likes the Leia likes that part of Han where he is very sure of himself and she likes how strong he is he's a very strong leader his, his Basically, his demeanor it, it attracts people to him. It makes them want to listen to them. It makes them want to follow him. Um, they show that very much with Chewie. Chewie's kind of always just trying to help Han keep him alive, um, and that's why they're best friends. And I think the reason why Han loves Leo so much is that she's so self self selfless, and he really wants to be like that. And he is on the inside. He just he's too hard of an exterior due to the you know how he grew up in the galaxy and how it. He was how he had to survive in the galaxy. So I think they find things in each other, and it's and it's very obvious to viewers how they find the, the attachment to each other, and the way that they eventually uh, connect with each other. Um, for how many people eventually uh, usually have crushes on people that they try to tease them, and it's kind of always the talked about like, well, when you're a little kid, like if like a boy picks on a girl, it's usually because he likes her, and that's very much what they play to with Han with Leia. He teases her throughout the whole movie, and it's it's very obvious to anyone that he, he just likes her, and he's just trying to trying to get her attention any way he can. And um, I really like those the just the dialogue between them, and due to the amazing uh, talent of Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, and due to the fact they, they in, in real life they had chemistry together in, in the same way that their characters did, really played well to that part of the story. And I think that's why when so many people watch science fiction and there's a romance in the movie, a lot of people look to the fact of how does it, like, can it contend with the likes of Empire Strikes Back, Han, and Leia? Especially how they reach to the point where they tell, well, Leia tells Han that she loves him and he says, I know, which is his way of saying, I love you too. Um... Yeah, especially, um, you can even look at the merchandising for these characters. I mean, uh, <laughs> my aunt got my wife and I a two mugs that, of, of that line, I love you, I know. And it's it's very much used for even the marketing after the movie came out. So clearly this has had an impact on the merchandising, the characters, the story, and it eventually is what inspired a lot of other romances for other science fiction movies because this is the blueprint of how to do it well anyway and I also like how there was hints at it in the first one of how Han asks Luke like do you think I have a girl like her and a girl like me could ever 
of course Luke was like, no, no, never. Um, so I, I like how they foreshadow it in the beginning and they actually fall through with it in the sequel. They don't just kind of tease it and do nothing. So I really appreciate that from the writers. Um, so my favorite character when I was a kid and probably still is from Star Wars is Luke Skywalker. So the next topic is Luke and why he was the perfect character to me. My, so my favorite character as a child and who I aspired to be were Luke Skywalker and Batman. But the reasons why I looked to Luke than Batman were very different. So throughout this whole movie, it's the hero's journey of Luke, including the first one, but this one's particularly. He goes through heavy trials, he fails, he doesn't automatically su succeed, he un he's very unsure of himself, he doesn't know what to do, he feels very lost, there's anxiety with him, he's looking for some sort of guidance and he feels as though he can't find it, and he feels as though he'll never succeed with what he's trying to do, and he just wants to be he wants to help people and he he wants to fulfill what is what has been told to him to be his destiny um, and he puts in the great effort he tries even when he tries he sometimes still fails but he still gets back up and tries again and I really liked that as a kid uh, one of the examples I wasn't I didn't I wasn't very athletic when I was a young child um, so I really liked Luke in the sense that Essentially, he's trying to be a, a space wizard. He's trying to learn how to fight with a lightsaber. He's trying to learn how to control and learn the universe around him, being able to wield the Force and being able to feel it, listen to it, and work cooperatively with it. And I remember as a kid, like, when I was playing uh, baseball, and I just wasn't very good at it, and I would always think like, no, I, I just have to keep trying. I have to, I have to train more. I have to learn more about it. And eventually I, I found um, my sports of which were football, wrestling, and some other um, martial arts. And I really thrived in those. And I, I took a lot of those messages and symbols of what I found in Luke Skywalker um, to well into adulthood even now. And I, I really think that's a, that those messages for him are really important and I think anyone can really look to his character for inspiration of even if it may be some maybe this sounds silly to people that's fine you don't have to agree with me about uh, how to look at this character but it's I, I just think it's the writing and the amazing story they tell with his character um, that really pushes that across and it's it's why he's my favorite um, and it's why later films severely pissed me off with his character um, but I don't want to get into that. I want to focus on this movie. So the next topic, and it also involves Luke with this. Um, the message of do or do not, there is no try. So I think when a lot of people watch this movie, when they hear that line, you only really think of that line to the certain scene to when Yoda tells Luke to lift his X-Wing out of the swamp. And he basically, t he's like, and Luke says, like, I'll try. And he's just like, no, you either do it or you do not. You can't, you can't, you can't only do half of it. You either do it or you don't. And which is what eventually Yoda then shows to him, like, I can lift it out. I did it when you did not. 
And that carries into other parts of this movie, and it's very much one of the big messages of the movie. And it's part of the reason why Luke fails so often, is that because he's not doing, he's trying. And he doesn't really grasp that until the following film, which is why he ends up being such a successful Jedi, and later, and why he's able to, you know, do the things he, he does with Vader and other characters of the story, and he's able to be that beacon what he always wanted to be. Um, so, one of the reasons why he loses the duel to Vader, other than the fact that Vader's a stronger opponent, and he, he's very much more trained than uh, Luke is, is that Luke's goal was not to defeat Vader. What he was trying, what he was doing, was saving his friends, when he was trying to defeat Vader, which is what ended up being his downfall. He overestimated his abilities to the point where, I mean, he, he lost his hand. There's severe consequences to not being sure of yourself and knowing when you do something that you're going to do it. You're not just going to meh, half-ass it, and then be surprised when you fail. And I think a lot of that is kind of looked over and they just kind of think of that one part of, from Yoda. So I just wanted to state that because I, I, every time I watch that part, that's what I think of. I don't think a lot of people really realize the real like substantial part of that line and yeah I, I just think it's it's extremely interesting um, to look at so this movie has arguably the greatest plot twist of all time and the foreshadowing in this movie is also great so spoilers I know I've already said some spoilers but um, this is a big the biggest spoiler of the movie Vader is Luke's father um, it, it, when I, I remember when I was a kid and I watched this movie the first time I watched it and my mind fucking exploded when I found out that Vader the the big for, uh, foreboding malicious <laughs> the most evil man in the galaxy was the father to possibly the greatest savior that the galaxy could have um, Luke being what his father should have been and I, re I really like that part of the movie, and I, I, it has a great conclusion in the following movie. Um, but I really like the foreshadowing in this movie, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people always find the scene confusing, but when Luke goes into the cave on Dagobah, and he, he, it's basically a, uh, it's a dark side nexus. But um, I'm not going to try and bring too much. So I know, just a uh, quick side note, I know probably way too much about Star Wars, so I'm going to try and not... Um, bring outside knowledge that you wouldn't have in the film, because if the film doesn't make sense to general audiences, you have to go out of your way to learn more about the movie and to why it makes sense, then you've failed your job at making a coherent story for your audience. So I just want to say that before I continue. But I feel as though the scene isn't that confusing. Even as a kid, I didn't, I didn't find it that confusing, especially when you first so it is supposed to be confusing when you first watch the movie well on rewatch it, it shouldn't be as confusing as the first time it really shouldn't so luke goes into the dark side nexus and he finds vader um, in there waiting for him and he uses his lightsaber when he was told by yoda not to that he didn't need it he only needed to trust in the force um, which he doesn't he takes out his lightsaber and faces this apparition of Vader and decapitates it. And when he does so, the helmet explodes to reveal Luke's face. 
Um, and this foreshadows to a few things. Uh, obviously, the first thing is that Luke and Vader, or Anakin, are of the same blood and kin. And if Luke fails uh, his mission of being a Jedi, or even fails overcoming Vader or the dark side, that he will meet the same fate as his father. He will also be a husk of his former self and what he should have been, and be a pawn of the dark side, and be a pawn of the Emperor. And I, 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 I thought it was really interesting, even as a, as a kid, and I, I, I picked up on a lot of that, um, a lot from a young age, and I didn't think very many people, when, I, when people I did talk about the movie with, they didn't really seem to get that, at least that's what I always kind of picked up from when I would talk to people. So, this one's, uh, yeah, and I, I just love that scene, and it's one of the scenes I always really pay attention to when I rewatch this movie. So, the next thing I want to talk about is the fantastic score, John Williams. This, this guy, he just, this motherfucker just makes banger after banger. He, so, I think the, the reason why John Williams is so successful when it comes to writing scores for movies is that he writes the music to the scene. He doesn't just write music and they put the music whatever scene they feel as though fits best. They, he writes every scene as he watches the film. So what he does is he goes back and watches scene, like the whole movie without, obviously without the music and pauses it and writes music as he continues. So he writes whatever he feels the scene is to him. Um, and I think that's why all of the music matches any scene it's in. It, I, I wouldn't change any single song at all in this movie. Every, everything just fits great, and it makes those scenes, especially those emotional scenes, like the ending, or when Luke discovers that his father is one of the e most evil, the most evil man next to the Emperor in the galaxy. It, it, it pops in the the big score at the end when it erupts at the end, and even in the beginning of the movie with the opening credits and the score when uh, Han Solo's frozen carbonite and having to watch his his love basically watch him be possibly killed so i really love all of those and i i love the themes in the movie i love yoda's theme and the force theme from the first movie which was originally obi-wan's but it ended up being force theme i mean the force theme and i i just love all of it and i i listen to the john williams star wars uh, star wars music constantly it's if I'm reading a book, any book, um, it's I'm listening to that and like his Indiana Jones stuff and some Superman that he did. It's great. He, he he's just a great, great music writer, and I, I love all his music basically. <laughs> um, so the next big part I want to talk about the great space battles and the chases. So this movie really sent uh, set the benchmark for how to do space warfare and how to write great science fiction chase movies. So Han, 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 Leia, Chewie, C-3PO are being chased through all of this movie. Um, and there, it, it, it really hits those boxes of like, you really feel as though there's a threat to them. Like, even though you, like, pretty much most of the main characters are on the ship, there's always a sense of dread, and if, the, and if they'll escape, which they actually don't. 
the Empire wins in this movie, which is, I think, what makes this movie, like, stand above the other Star Wars films, is that they, this is how you do expectations in Star Wars. Um, not to go into uh, some of the other Star Wars films, this movie is able to mess with your expectations in a way that is is very coherent and is still well written and makes sense, even though it may not be what you expect. Um, due to how the first one was, it was very much akin to um, those old action movies that you'd watch and cartoons you were watch as a kid where like He-Man and stuff like that where the hero always wins and the villain always loses. And this one flips it kind of on its head and it's well when you when you when you mess with the big boys the big boys eventually will come back and that's exactly what happens. They very the Re- uh, the rebels very much get the attention of the galactic empire and they they very much go after them throughout this entire movie to the point where they almost take out all of the main rebel heads, um, and I really, I really like the way that it, it plays out in the movie, and, and it's extremely fun to watch. Um, all the space battles, like the whole 360, they, it's, I mean, so a lot of space, a lot of space battles don't work um, in a lot of other science fiction movies because they don't know how to use that whole space. It's always like 360. This, uh, these movies very much use the whole space that they're able to maneuver in, and they'll they'll be go up and down, side to side, like south, southwest, southeast, like uh, northwest. This is every every possible way that the ship can move and maneuver. They use it, um, and I think that's why it's way more exciting than other ones that come out when they do space boats. Because a lot of movies, and even some of the newer Star Wars movies, <laughs> Last Jedi. Um, when I watch those space battles, I'm like, why are they only, like, flying at one plane? Why aren't they, like, going below and above and side to side? They're, why would they just meet each other on the same level and just shoot at each other until one's dead? That doesn't make any sense. You're in space. You don't have to follow the same laws of physics that you would on foot on a planet. <laughs> so I, I think this one is just, it makes it so much more exciting. It's why a lot of kids, I think, really grab onto the Star- early Star Wars films, even some of the, uh, the prequels even. The action is just so cool um, with the space battles. I, I love them. I, it's, uh, my cousin really pays attention to the space battles. It's part of the big reason he's so into Star Wars is the naval fleets and all that stuff. And I, it's, it's super interesting. And it's what makes Star Wars so unique compared to a lot of other science fiction movies. So, this movie is great with world building and the introduction of characters. So the first film, you have a desert planet, and it's very, it's very barren, it's very dry, it feels hopeless. You have a lot of cold, menacing space stations, um, very uniform for the Empire. Um, I mean, you had a, a nice Earth-like planet in Alderaan destroyed you have Yavin 4, which is similar to that as well. It's supposed to be the hope of the galaxy. That's why it's teeming with life on the uh, moon of Yavin, oh, Yavin 4. Um, and they continue that trend with cool and new, amazing. They, they build upon the galaxy, having different kinds of planets really 
makes this universe feel much bigger. So in the first in the first part of the movie, you're on a cold and very quiet and desolate planet um, as Hoth, and it's it's really cool, especially with that opening battle, due to the fact that they have they, they have snow speeders and they have. And it's the first time you see adats in this uh, these movies. I say adats, I don't say ATATs. Um, we're just saying Imperial Walkers, how the way it works. Um, and the, those that initial bat. So on that, when they're on the planet, it would make sense for them to be shooting on the same level. And it's kind of what they do. And I really like that part. And they have like the trenches, similar to like how World War II was, which was a big inspiration for a lot of the weapons and the ships and the little vehicles in these in these movies were based similar to tanks or guns from both sides of the war in World War II. Um, so that was really cool. And then and then the next planet is like this swamp planet and it's really it's like a jungle but it's it's really full of like dangerous creatures and it's full of like wonder and you don't really know where you are and it's it's you're easily lost in it and then there's obviously the asteroids which is these gigantic monolithic heaps of rock in space that can really kill you at any moment if it if it hits you and it shows that with the tie fighters i mean when the empire is just trying to find the Millennium Falcon and the asteroids, they take heavy damage from trying to look for them. Um, and the next planet is the gas planet, Bespin, and that one's really cool. It's full of colors, and the way that the city's shaped, it's really interesting, like, to what a mining facility would look like if they're mining for gas um, outside of Earth or anything that we would see in our solar system. I mean, it's like if they decide to mine Jupiter, um, which is really interesting to me. I, I, I don't know, I just, I love all of the world building and that the, there's something new in every movie that they don't just have to stick with the same environments for every planet, for every movie. I like when there's diverse planets and environments. It's what makes characters grow being outside of what they're normal normally in. It's what gives them that fish out of water type of character and story. Um, which you shouldn't do in every movie. Eventually, they have to be somewhat adaptable to their environment, which they eventually do. And the characters and the new aliens in this movie, Yoda, who's this little green dude, he's he's just so weird, and I really liked him as a kid. He was funny. He was acted really strange. And then, but it was you find out it's all a facade, to, to so you can really test Luke to see how he is as a person, and see how patient he is, and if he's even. Uh, you know, noble enough to be a Jedi, and if he has, like, you know, the, the, like, you know, what he needs to have to be a Jedi, um, Lando, he's a another sleazy smuggler like Han, but he's got this, like, he's a ladies' man, he's just smooth as butter, and he's just got a way of talking that, you know, it disarms, it disarms you to the point where you just kind of automatically trust him, and the bounty hunters, I remember when I was a kid and I saw when Vader was talking to the, 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 all the bounty hunters like Boba Fett, Bosk, Forlom, Dengar, all those guys. And I just thought that was cool, cool motherfuckers. I remember being a kid, I was like, damn, I want, I want Boba Fett's armor. I want his ship. I want Slave 1. I like all these guys. That big lizard dude, he's freaking dope. And I really like all like the new aliens they show and like the nastiness of Bosk. Um, and they also introduced 
the biggest baddie of the whole series in this movie. Uh, Emperor Palpatine is not in the original Star Wars movie, or as some people call it, Star, War- Star Wars A New Hope. Um, he is not in that movie whatsoever. So as far as you know, the two big bads of the Star Wars universe were Grand Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader. But in this one, you've come to find out that Vader has a master, and he's not even the big and scariest head honcho, and that there's even a stronger, more evil villain out there that they haven't even seen or faced yet. That adds a lot of foreboding um, emotion to a lot of the characters, and even to the audience, to know that there's worse things out there above Vader, which they very much throw throughout this movie, that he is a menacing an unpredictable character. He chokes and kills so many of his officers in this movie. He kills two guys in the beginning of the movie. And it's it's just great. Um, some of my favorite quotes are from that, like Apology Accepted, Captain Ida. It's I love I love those parts of the movie. And I love the foreshadowing that they make for Palpatine and how he wants Luke to basically replace Vader, because he would be a better, um, more fitting apprentice. So, another thing, when I was a kid, I loved the ending to this film. Throughout the whole film, the heroes of the, that you just watched in the previous movie were able to overcome the Death Star, they defeated the enemy, they, they won, they were given medals, everyone was celebrating, and in this movie, they just get kicked around their they're taken to their extent. They they can't they can't be pushed any farther. They're at their breaking point. Some of them do break, um, especially Luke. He he goes through a huge character change at the end of this movie after he discovers that his father is the villain, which also chopped off his hand. <laughs> um, it, it's I love the ending. He he actually ends up getting a um, robotic hand to replace replace obviously his old one and. Han is somewhere on a on some sort of gangland planet that was taken by Boba Fett and some other bounty hunters to Jabba the Hutt. You don't even know where Jabba the Hutt is. Um, and then and basically all the, all they can do is pull pull their bootstraps up and prepare and try and win it, win another time later down the road. There's this movie ends on a high note in terms of hope that Lando and Chewie. Leave with the Millennium Falcon to go see. It. They're gonna go try and find Han and rescue him, and they're they're gonna plan to get him out of there. And they they don't give up at the end of this movie. They basically just gather back together because they can only su- succeed if when they're together. Because when they're apart, they're destroyed, which is very much shown in this movie. They need each other to succeed, and they they need each other to survive. And that's basically how the movie ends: is that Luke and R two rejoins the uh, the cast, except for obviously Han, who they're trying to rescue. And I really like the scene where you see C-3PO, R2, and Leia and Luke looking out the window, and they're just looking at a beautiful landscape of stars, planets, and solar systems. And that has the huge building crescendo uh, from John Williams' uh, music. It's just great. I, I love it. I love that whole movie. I love the ending. I, I, love, I love this movie. It's the nearest and dearest to my heart in terms of any movie could be. Um, when I watch this movie, this is, this is, this is, I think of my childhood and I very much, it brings a lot of fond memories um, to, to mind and I, I really like to 
watch this movie if, you know, if I'm in a, like, if I'm not in a good mood or for like, you know, life sucks sometimes, man, and this is the movie I put on when I want to, you know, I guess I would say fix my head or clear my head is I, I watch these and I, I see my, like, childhood heroes and I want to, you know, somewhat, like, mirror them and, like, you know what? He got his fucking hand chopped off. I just gotta suck it up and I gotta find a way to make this work or I gotta, I gotta find a way to make this better or I gotta find a way to change it to where I am okay and everything's gonna be fine again. So, I, I don't know. It's just, this is a masterpiece movie to me and it's what all other movies that I watch, I, I think of, like, the emotions that this brings me, how I feel about this movie, the great story it tells, and I, I just, I, I can watch this movie over and over again, like I said, I have, since I was, uh, basically a baby, <laughs> um, and I've, I've never been bored of it anytime it's on. It's like if it's on TV or if I'm at someone's house and they're watching it, I sit down and watch it. I watch the whole thing, no matter where it is in the movie. Um, and I put it on for myself all the time. I fall asleep to this movie. I, it's it's basically like, if I can't think of a movie to watch, this is what I'm putting on. When I can think of a movie I want to watch, this is what I'm putting on. And I I, I really can't stress this enough. This is... the. I, I think you should watch the whole original trilogy of Star Wars. Even you don't you don't have to watch the other ones. You don't if you if you're just not like you, may, you know because not everyone's a super super Star Wars fan like I am. But you don't have to be a, a super Star Wars fan to love and appreciate these movies. Um, and I I think everyone should at least watch Empire Strikes Back or at least New Hope Empire Strikes Back. So this movie is actually going to get my first 10 out of 10 rating. This is a ten, so what a ten out of ten rating means to me. This is the movie I compare every other movie to. So if another movie is ten out of ten, it's on the same par with this movie. Now you may not agree this is a perfect ten out of ten movie, but that's not what the scale is for. It's a ten out of ten to me. It doesn't have to be to you. That's how you. Everyone feels differently about a movie. You may hate this movie, and that's okay. But to me, this movie is a the perfect movie. So, I know this one is probably my longest episode, but this movie means a lot to me, and I really wanted to talk about it. I hope you enjoyed this way of um, reviewing movies. Maybe if this one does better in terms of, like, reception, or if you guys prefer this way of of reviewing movies, I'll gladly switch to this method. Um, I've been really enjoying it, and I've been really appreciating the plays. I'm... I'm well into the hundreds in terms of plays and listens, and I, I really appreciate that. I wanted to end this day, the Star Wars day, with this movie. So, thank you, and I uh, happy Star Wars day, and have a good night.